We're moving into a, a, a section of scripture. And uh, as I read that this passage in Acts uh, chapter 14, uh, 21 to 28, not 13, but 14. Uh, I, I read this, and I don't know if you ever have this trouble, that sometimes when you read the scripture, it's kind of like, uh, it's dry. It doesn't have any snap, crackle, or pop to it. And it's just kind of information. And it's, and it's important information, but you don't really get much out of it because it's just information. And uh, that's what happened this week with this passage. I thought, there's something that uh, I need to understand more. And as we go through this, it would be quick to move through this without understanding uh, what's going on here. So as I read uh, Acts, 13, Acts 14, 21 and following, uh, I want you to listen to something more and, and, and focus and go a little deeper in the, the words that are said here. Listen as I read God's word. And when they had preached the gospel to the city of Derbe and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived, they gathered the church together, and they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. As we, uh, as we think about this passage, as we get into our map work and understanding what God is doing here, uh, I want you to hear a couple of things. In Acts 13 and 14, uh, two chapters, 80 verses, compacted in a, such a small space, uh, you don't realize that there are two years of ministry that have happened. Two years. And think about your life two years ago, where you were two years ago, and try to imagine what God had been doing in your life for two years. And so as you think about this, I want you to take a, a pause and reflect that this is a summary, a transitional passage to emphasize what had happened in two years. And it's all summed up real quickly in such small few verses. But here they are. They went to, uh, this is the inaugural uh, missionary journey where Paul and Barnabas and John Mark and others who come along the way, they left Antioch, went to Cyprus, and you know this Trip that they came over to Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. Again, the hometown of Timothy. And they come back and, and they, uh, they go the opposite direction. They go the north side and they go across. You can see these mountains and they come to Antioch and they come down on the other side of Pisidia into Pamphylia and they come to not Perga, but they come to Italia. 
and then they go straight home. This is a home-going, a time of furlough for these missionaries as they come back. And to understand that, as, as just to get you, you to think about it, this is the area of, you can't see this because it's blown up there, isn't it? It's the area of Galatia. But you'll see uh, this area is really not, is not in their comfort zone. They are outside of Jerusalem. They are outside of uh, Antioch. This is in Roman territory, uh, a, a pagan territory. They've, they've come across a whole uh, religions and worldviews that are so different. But you can see these mountain ranges, and just think for a minute, two years of walking, hiking, no cars, no planes, all by foot. And as they came away, it says that they had preached the gospel in that city. Now notice the verbs. They preached the gospel, they made many disciples, and they returned to the very cities that were persecuting them, wanting them to get out of the city, but they were in the middle of a tension, and they knew, they learned, that when the gospel goes, you will have different responses from different people. People who really receive Christ as Lord and Savior, and people said, we don't want that. And so that would happen sometimes in Scripture. But notice what they did. They strengthened the souls of the believers. And Barnabas and Paul, as they would go to a locale, they would look for hungry people, interested people, and they would strengthen, making them as strong as Daniel would say, that the people who know their God display strength and take action. But they would also encourage them to continue in the faith, saying there's going to be a lot of hardship, suffering. But don't worry about the suffering. as, as uh, Victor Frankl would say, life is suffering. He went through the Auschwitz uh, concentration camps, and he said, life is suffering, but it's, the mean, it's, it's survival is finding the meaning in the suffering. So we don't just suffer without reason. It's, there's a reason for the cost that we, we pay, and it's, that it's the worth of Christ the worth of the gospel, because we know the gospel does so much good when the kingdom is at hand. And they appointed elders for them in every church, and they prayed with fasting, they commended them to the word. Okay, let me stop in this part. And you only see three verses here, really short section. But I want you to hear one thing, that what Paul and Barnabas did was what Jesus told the disciples to do in, in, in Jerusalem. He says, go therefore and make disciples. Now, this idea that, that Paul understood this concept, that what God was interested in is not just having people come together. He was interested in disciples. And he wanted lots of disciples. And it was the last command before he went to heaven, go make disciples. It was the last impression on the disciples. And yet Paul and Barnabas didn't hear that directly from the Lord. But they heard that from uh, the Spirit of God who says, this is what I'm doing. And he wants disciples, he wants lots of them, and he wants them in all nations. And so I want you to hear this because there's a distinction here because he did not say, go make converts. 
He didn't say go get people to Jesus. He didn't say that. He didn't say go make people believe in my son. He didn't say that. He didn't say let's go and make a lot of Christian uh, cultures and so we're going to address, get people to be Christians. He didn't say that. And he didn't say let's go make churches. He didn't say that. Jesus said what I want you to do is to make disciples. And so I'm going to look at that for a minute because it's different because when you start as a missionary, your thinking changes when you think about discipleship or learning. And so as we get into this, this topic, I want you to think about, and here's a question for you. Do you know what the three GCs are in the Bible? Now, you guys have been around the block. You know, you've heard these things. Now, this is a test for you. These three pillars are three GCs. How many know what the three GCs are? <laughs> Great Commission is one. And this is why, to strengthen your souls and to make sure you remember. Anybody else? Okay, let me help you. You take the whole Bible, and you can summarize it in the first GC, the Great Commandments. that ring a bell? Now it should. Now, what is the Great Commandment, everybody? And not love your neighbor. That's in there, but... It's God. First, you start with learning how to love God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. Discipling people in love, in worship, in valuing, in honoring this one who came to die for you and me. It's Knowing the great commandment, Jesus said there are people who are far away from the kingdom who do not, understand, do not understand this. But those who do are very close to the kingdom. But those who love are in the kingdom. And so Jesus would say it's about loving God with all of your heart, not 10%, 20%, 30%. And so if you look at discipling is increasing your heart for God himself, that you would enjoy knowing him, treasuring our dear Savior. That when you understand that Jesus is worthy, so much uh, is worth everything, that your heart just grows. And the more you walk with Christ, the more you fall in love with Christ, the deeper your love will grow. And the more he shares about you, the more attracted you are to him. And so Jesus said, the first thing is the great commandment. What's the second one? The second one is the great commission. What's the commission? Go, go, go. We're, we're uh, not to be receiving. We are to be going. And this is the apostolic ministry where the church is to move out of the locale and to into the world, but he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And so Jesus wants the Gentiles and the Jews and all the nations, 
around the world to learn how to love him. And he would add not only to love him, but to obey him. He says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, we're going to look at those commands. And so we got the great commandment, the great commission, and the third GC, the great community, the church. The great community is the mystery revealed that God has set into our cosmos a new group of people, a people who have been reborn, a people who have come to Christ and they put their faith in Christ. And, and, and Paul would say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, he's a new creation. And that creation we're going to look at is just a, a new community, a new humanity that's been infused by the very Spirit of God himself. And therefore, if you're not confused by some of these things, Join the club because you are entering into a discipleship where God wants you to learn and enjoy the mysteries of growing up with Christ. And therefore, this great community, this great community is not, is a, is a people. And so he would say to you, say to Peter, on this rock, I will build Michael. I will build Carol, I will build Becky. I will build uh, every single one of us because you have to understand that Jesus is committed to build, to train, to master, teach you as a disciple to help you learn. But understand that in our thinking, the church is not the building. Now, this is a funny thing. We have this picture and we're in this fellowship hall. (laughs) It's not about the locale. But you have to understand, and I don't know how deep this goes for you, you are the church. Who is the church? We are the church. Who is the church? We are the church. And wherever, wherever you go, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. The church is the connection of the people who follow Christ. And they understood that in Antioch, in Syria, because they weren't called Christians there. They were called disciples because wherever they would go, they would be followers of Christ, which is what our, our tag is. We are the body of Christ. And to understand the idea that we are a body, it means that we have connections, relationships with one another because of Jesus. Like I said, he pulls us together, and therefore we would say to each other, brother or sister. In some, in some Baptist church, it'd be Sister Susan or, or, or Brother Kim. And so the emphasis on, on family uh, is very, very important for us to understand. But understand and learn that what the community is all about, Jesus says, is part of this role of discipleship. But our tendency is to be more like Rock Auto guy, the cartoon, that we tend to think individual parts that, that if we have Jesus, as I, me and Jesus, and it's kind of a privatized religion, and my faith is my faith, and I'm okay with Jesus. And, and, uh, but as you go, as you think about the church as being individual members 
Uh, if you think that they're individual members and you have this silo mentality, you need to understand that Jesus is thinking is about community. And if you're here and Christ has called you, you're an equal heir, but you are also a connected part of the body. Just like in this auto parts store, they got all these parts on the shelves. But, but you can order them, but if you get them all together, all you have is a bunch of parts. It's the connecting of those parts that make a car. It's the connection that makes the movement happen. And therefore, the church is not a collection of individual believers. The church is the interconnection of the individual believers. And therefore, the great community is the relationships where the Spirit of God flows from you to me, from me to you, from you to each other. And this is a wonderful thing because how else are you going to learn to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind except from being involved with people who love God with all the heart, strength, and mind? And the second part of that is to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what Paul and Barnabas understood. That's what they took to Derby. That's what they took to Lystra. That's what they took to Antioch. That's what they did everywhere they went. But they want people to grow in love with God and with those in the house of God and those outside. And that's why we start here at Chesterland to ask that question. And this is the fund fundamental question that you're supposed to memorize what are the what are the things that the five things that we're doing here at Chesterland? What? I know you guys memorized this. Christ centered. <laughs> yes, good. And so it, this is the, these are the values that I, I if I would give a thousand dollars on this to learn these lessons that you can one communicate them not just recognize them when I give you the test but they really become part of your very soul and this is what the Spirit of God wants to do He wants to understand that the love of Jesus Christ draws each and every one of us together and that when we come when we come together. We are not passive, and we're not spectators, but we are participants in a relationship that is a growing, learning community. Chesterland Baptist is a forgiven people, and we are learning to be a forgiving people. But we're learning to give ourselves, when we are present, we're very much present as broken people. But what you see is what you get. But what I've got is what I give. And therefore, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, you are welcomed in the body of Christ. And you make other people feel welcome in the body of Christ. So that community is so different than what other people understand. And so we need to be connected. If we're not connected, and hear this, if we're not connected, uh, it is like having all the spare parts to make the car. We're just, we're separate. But you're here, but you're still separate. And so the focus is, is on that community of connection. And if we're not connected, we're not going to be moving. Oh, it was two weeks ago, I was really thinking about this seriously. 
And so let me give you some ideas that will undermine my thinking, or not undermine, underscore, that's the word, <laughs> underscore my thinking, so that you, uh, you can understand the passion and the concerns that I have. And I want you to pick these up, and, and I want to disciple you so that you pick these up and learn them as well. Because these are very strong beliefs as I was trying to put them down. One of the things that I really believe strongly is that disconnection from God and from others is a source of suffering. If you're in disconnection, if you're in isolation, if you're separate from something and your relationships are broken, it is the source of suffering because you weren't made to be isolated, disconnected. But if you are, as the Bible says, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, you are suffering. You don't know the love of God, and you won't enjoy the love of God, and you can't pass on the love of God because you don't have it. Disconnection, not only from God and others, but there'll be a disconnect from myself. And so that stress of who I am and what I do and where I go, and if there's no sense of where you fit in, it's all because of this disconnection. And the detached self, the separate self, there's a way which thinks right to a man, but that way is the end of death. And so this idea of being isolated and stuck in your own thinking, you need to learn the way God thinks so you don't think that you have to do it all on your own. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you substitute that, you become inauthentic. And so I'm thinking about this whole idea of helping people connect to Jesus Christ in such a way that there's a, a sense of, of meaning and value that when we come together, you are to be enjoyed and loved. You are to give yourself freely. And that engagement brings enlightenment, and that enlightenment brings growth in who you are, understanding who you are, and how you relate to God, and how you relate to others. This connection and this cultivation of an adult friendship that you can rest in, you can trust in, you can respect, and you can grow in. Expanding this fellowship is why Paul and Barnabas went out to set this community into place. This is really what the ministry is all about. It's life on life, people touching people. And therefore, these three GCs, what are they? See, you guys are sharp. <laughs> but now, how does this work? You think, what does it mean then to make disciples? If you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to be in this learning process, what's all that about? Well, initially, it starts with the basics. And I'm not going to go into all of this except to say, at the core is Christ the center. And at the center of that wheel, as you know, is the hub that turns the power and the wheel simply responds. It's Christ in you that turns, that motivates. And if Christ isn't doing that, something else is. But the disciple learns, I am here to do what Jesus has called me to do. And my response is to hear it, obey it, and then the wheel turns. The other things that we learn is this vertical relationship. When God speaks to us through the word, and he does through the scriptures, and we learned that last Wednesday night. My word, that was an interesting study. He illumines the word to me, and that becomes the basis of what I pray back to God. And this vertical relationship, as we walk with the light, as he is in the light, 
then we have fellowship not with the light, but the fellowship with others. And there comes the fellowship in the Christian world and the fellowship with relationships to non-believers. And those are the balancing spokes of witnessing and fellowship. When you see this, then this, these are the basics. These are the basics. Okay, I got a couple more minutes here. So every disciple in Christ, every man, every woman, every child, should have a community that loves and guarantees the sense that you have a chance to grow in Christ. And that's why in the church, every question is welcome. Every issue is welcome. Everything that we have to deal with in our culture is welcome because this is a safe place to learn. And if you don't learn it here, you won't learn it anywhere. So that's why that community has got to be an adult, maturing group. And so uh, if you come to the church, you should not be the same when you leave the church. There should be some nurturing, some growing, some development of your faith, your hope, your love, as you think about those things. But there are five ifs that Jesus talks. There are some conditions when Jesus would mention about this discipleship. And to make a disciple, uh, to understand that Jesus would have these, these statements that would mark a disciple. How do you know if you are a disciple? How do, because they're, they're not just born, they are developed in that community. And what, the first one, he said to the Jews who had believed in him in John 8, 31 and 32, if you abide, if you hold to my teaching, if the word of God and the teaching of Christ, the kingdom, the sermon, all those things are in you, if you hold that, it says, you really are my disciples. And so the first thing Jesus would say, I'm the master and you're the student. You're going to learn from me. And therefore, understanding that your role as a student, disciple, is to be in front of God's son, to hear him through the scriptures. And if you're not doing that, you are not a disciple. You're part on the shelf. But you're, not, you're missing something. But Jesus says, if you are in my word, you will know that truth, and that truth will set you free. What are those truths? That's one. The first one is to abide in my word, to know the scriptures. And the, and the American church has just gotten weaker and weaker because we know about it. And we tolerate it sometimes. But we don't really burn the midnight oil to learn it. And you've got to be in front of the master, spending time listening. Jesus would also say to his disciples, very powerful passage, Matthew 16, 24, if, if anyone wishes to come after me, the great commandment, the great commission, the great community, if you're going to be involved with me, you've got to deny yourself. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you need. It's not about you. But you need to take up a cross. And that's death. That's self-centeredness. In order to be other-centeredness means you need a resurrection. To do that, you need to learn 
You need to be involved with a group of people who are learning how to give themselves away by holding back my self-centeredness and my sin. Well, if you're not doing that, he says, if, if you don't take up your cross, he says, you cannot be my disciple in Luke. This is a requirement. This is different. But you can't do that on your own. And so Jesus would say, I'm the vine and you're the branch. If, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And he goes on to say that a disciple is to be fruitful. The fruit comes from that great commandment, the great commission, and the great community. As you don't strive to work out your your discipleship, it's a natural flowing from the vine. And therefore, he would go on to say, a strong sentence misunderstood. <coughs> Luke 14, 27. If anyone comes to me and he does not hate his own mother and father uh, and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He wants me to hate my father? Don't misunderstand this passage. Because this is going to send you the mixed message. At one point he says, honor your father and mother. Now he's saying, hate your father and mother. He's not about hating, uh uh-oh. He's not about hating your father and mother. But he's talking about having a group of people who are saying, well, I'll just go to Jesus and get all the good stuff. And he says, no, there's a cost to this discipleship. And the cost is this, that I am going to be the priority relationship I'm going to be the priority relationship. I know what this is. Yeah, battery's gone. And so the idea that Jesus wants us to know is that he doesn't want us to have any dead idols in front of him. And he doesn't want to have any living individuals in front of him. In other words, the, the disciple has the priority that love God first. And keep that perspective. And then you can honor. But if there's anyone going to challenge your love in that first position, you can't be my disciples. Why? Because it's the great commandment to love with all your heart. And that starts the relationship and keeps them in perspective. Well, the last one was uh, you don't have, you've got to uh, keep the cross, stay in the word, uh, abide in him. And then uh, as you continue to give yourself uh, in relationships to others, uh, keeping that priority, Christ first, others second, then yourself third, you move into a discipleship where you go and you make disciples of all nations. As we move into, as you move into the story of the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas would go home, but as he would visit every step along the way, he would call them to be disciples and strengthen them, teaching them, helping them grow. And as they would go out into those communities, they would reflect Christ everywhere they went because they were disciples of Christ. Well, he bops up to Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and jumps down to Talia, preaches the word, and he goes right home. And then on the way home, on that boat ride, 
Paul and Barnabas thought about those two years of the wonderful thing that God had been doing to create in among the people that were so non-Jewish. And that becomes the community model for everything around the world. The good news is that we are also involved with that. And the good news is that as a church, to grow in our relationship, to learn in our relationship, to learn to love as Christ would love. The last commandment, he says, if uh, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as, as I have loved you. And that means you have to learn to love in grace. And that grace doesn't come from you. It comes from God living through you to others. I'm just saying, we're involved with Paul and Barnabas with the greatest adventure of the Spirit of God changing each one of us inside out. That's the great commandment. That's the great commission. That's the great community. That's your invitation to be free, so free in your own spirit. And that's the theme of our next book, Galatians. We're going to stop here going into Antioch as they go back and they tell what happens up in Galatia. But the book of, for the summer will be Galatians. And so the series we'll be teaching will be on this, that book. So read the book of Galatians, and then we'll get into these stories that, that Paul was dealing with and those people to help them become disciples there as they were in Jerusalem and Antioch and everywhere else. All right. With that, let's stop here. And uh, let me remind you to read Galatians. And we're going to close... Uh, just with a, um, uh, let's just close with a word of prayer because this is the time to do that. So, Father, we would tell you now, uh, we just are blown away by what you want to do in us, through us. We know what you've done for us. If you would go to that extent to die on a cross, you've got more, so much more planned for us. And so, Father, would you give us the ear of a disciple that we would hear you and be people that would love you with all of our heart, that we would be people, disciples, who would be made as men and women who want to grow uh, and grow in that community, that great community. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you give us grace every step of the way. We love you for that. Now as we go, Father, would you surprise us this week again with what you're doing among us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.